0: Welcome to the DVM Divas podcast, where today our hot topic is going to be on all those great things that we didn't learn in vet school, because we feel that there's a lot of students right now that perhaps are not getting the full vet school experience, and we want to shed some light and some guidance on their journey. And then we will, as always, share our wins, fails, and hacks. Maria's going to share with us a very tragic animal-related fail, if you want to call it that, and has a great COVID win. I'm going to have a creative COVID hack. So join us as we go beyond the stethoscope. Welcome to the DVM Divas podcast. It's no secret that the veterinary profession is made up of thousands of amazing women. In fact, We're more than 60% of the current workforce. But it's also apparent that we've
1: been struggling to stay happy and fulfilled. Well, join us, the DVM Divas, as we take this profession back from discontent. Listen as we explore the concepts that motivate us. Community. Making
2: positive changes. Growth. Compassion. And courage.
1: Laugh with us. Cry with us. Celebrate with us as we define what it means to be a badass woman in veterinary medicine.
0: Well, ladies, hello.
1: Hello. Hey.
0: Are we all like Zoom professionals now? Are we living our entire lives via Zoom? I feel like we were revolutionary like in the Zoom world and, and now my kids are doing Zoom and it's crazy. I am going to say
1: my
2: children love Zoom because oh, yeah. they get to see other adults now. So mm-hmm. my four-year-old had a class meeting on Zoom. So it, was, it was really funny.
0: So well, let's jump in with our hot topic today. And as we all know, at the time of recording, we are in this thing called the pandemic and COVID-19 and our world is upside down. And I don't know about you guys, but I have had some conversations and some interactions with students who are, and probably tech students too. I mean, everybody kind of in this journey right now. And they were very abruptly taken from their clinical rotations. We even discussed it some about interns and residents and, you know, that all just sort of stopped. Our world stopped. And I know there were a ton of things that I did not learn, even through a full clinical rotation, (laughs) through the whole thing, there's a lot I didn't learn. So I can only imagine what the students are missing out on now. So we thought it would be good to share some of our tips and tricks and things that we did not learn in vet school that we use in practice most days, if not every day. So we'll just go one by one. We'll take some turns. Maria, why don't you start? What is one thing that you did not learn in vet school that you utilize now?
2: So I think um, we'll start off with something that everyone really needs to learn. I didn't learn this probably until I'd say two years ago at my current job, and it's learning to be quiet in the back. And if you ask my technicians now, I still don't know how to do this. Well, during coronavirus, yes, I do know how to do it because the clients aren't in the exam rooms, but my voice carries. So anything that you say in the back will most of the time be heard by the clients in the front or in the exam room. So be prepared to back yourself up. I think that it's a tip that they don't really teach you because I feel like in clinics, a lot of us are really quiet. I, for one,
0: have found out the hard way that lesson. So that is a very, very good and relevant tip because you're going to stick your foot in your mouth pretty quickly, or you're going to be in that horribly, horribly awkward scenario where there's a euthanasia or something going on and you don't mean to, but you start laughing because somebody's squeezed anal glands in their face or something like that. And yeah, that is a good one, Maria. Thank you. Well,
1: and I think just to add on is the practice that I currently practice at, I think Sam mentioned it in our last episode, but we are an open practice. So clients are welcome and able to walk through at any moment in time. So even the back room or even surgery, nowhere is really safe because, you know, they are allowed to, granted right now in COVID, no, not allowed, but the rest of the time we are in open practice and we do pride ourselves on that. So it may not be that they hear you through a door, it may be that they're over your left shoulder. You have no idea. Well, Anne, what is your first tip? Mine is kind of basic and it probably sends us all back to, you know, elementary school, but probably one of the best tips I have is to remember your manners. First day, walk through, introduce yourself to everyone in the clinic. Can all staff, receptionists, other doctors, managers, everybody just say, hi, this is me nice to meet you. Can't wait to work here. Um, Cause that first impression is always important as we know, but then too, I think it sets you off on a positive note right out the gate. And then also to remember your please and thank yous. Um, I think just some general politeness goes a really a long way, especially in a clinic because we get stressed out and people get short and poop hits the I And so if you can remember that please and thank you, even in those moments, you'll have people that'll be there and ready to help you out. If you ever get in a pickle.
2: Yeah, I think remembering your manners is great, because even when you're in the room with the clients, I feel like the clients really remember the doctor that is introducing themselves and saying nice things, not the doctor that just walks in and starts talking, you know, so I think that's great.
0: You know, though, and I have found myself getting kind of lazy, I think in the last five years of practice, and maybe some of it is being in a small town. And I am very familiar with a lot of my clients that sometimes I do forget to introduce myself to the new clients. And I feel really horrible when I do that. But I just sort of take for granted that everybody knows who I am. And so I do need to take that advice. Even now, still 17 years later, it's awkward when I'm halfway through the exam and somebody
2: says, what was your name again? And one piece of advice that goes along with that is look back in the history to make sure you saw the client before, because if you've never seen the client, then you have to introduce yourself. If you've seen the client, you can say, oh, it's me again.
1: Or you introduce yourself and you've seen them three times. I blame it on that I'm really good with pets, but I don't necessarily remember them because I've had people where I saw them like a week apart. One day was with a cat and one day was with a dog, and I didn't remember them. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, I remember Zeus that you had last week. Fluffy is new to me and I just assumed, so I apologize.
2: No,
0: so yes, manners. Manners are always good, not just at work, but in life as well. And even when you get a little challenged by your clients, because that will happen, manners always rule. So my first hack for things that I did not learn in vet school, and I can promise you I did not learn this in vet school even a little bit, Learn how to work up an entire case with $100. Yeah. Oh, that's
2: so good. That's a good one.
0: And that certainly does not happen in vet school. We can wrap up the podcast. We're (laughs) done. And this is one thing I I learned, well, I didn't learn. I was faced with this, I think, with from day one out in general practice. Now, granted, some of it's going to be where you practice, what kind of practice you're in, and that $100 may be totally different depending on your demographic of where you're practicing. The story will be the same. You're going to be faced with cases, multiple cases to work up where you only have X amount of dollars, and that might be 5% of what it actually takes to thoroughly work up the case. So you just need to learn what tests are going to give you the most bang for your buck. Literally, you know, maybe you don't do blood work and x-rays and ultrasound on everything. Maybe you start with the blood work or maybe you start with the x rays Sometimes it's a 50-50 crapshoot and you just go with one and hope that it gives you the answer. And I will be upfront and tell the clients that and say, you know, I would love to run all these tests. And Ideally, we would run all of these tests, but if we can't, we're going to have to pick one to start with. And this is the one I'm going to go with and hope that it gives us the answer. And it may not, and we may need to have a different conversation afterwards. Or sometimes you don't even get the blood work or the x rays.
2: It just wants you
0: to treat. I just want you to treat. And as much as you know in your heart that that's not the right way to do it, that's not the best way to do it. You're still faced with the client staring at you with a sick animal and you have to do something. Sometimes you do just start with some medications and see what happens. I kind of use that
2: as the response to treatment diagnostic method. Yes, I, I have that weekly. People don't have the money, but it's like after we go over everything, I come up with a treatment plan and we go over everything. And they're like, I can't do that. I'm like, cool, let's figure this out. And like little by little, we work our way down to it. But I mean, the biggest thing with that is there are a lot of cases where you don't have the money to work things up, but making sure you offer and document that you offer. Document everything. Yes. The appropriate diagnostics stating that the owner declined.
0: And this also goes back to and one from just now is remember your manners and not cast judgment on that client because they can't afford all the things. And be polite, be respectful, acknowledge amongst yourselves that we can't do all the tests that we would like to do and just be upfront, but you can be gentle and respectful about it. And that may save you some really negative reviews in the end. I think a lot of times when clients start complaining, And then maybe that they know that they couldn't afford to do all the things, but they felt ashamed of it. And they act out because they felt that we as the veterinarians were shaming them for it. And that just kind of gets into a vicious cycle. So remember your manners when you offer
1: all the tests, even though they may decline. I mean, just because somebody pulls up in a ratty old pickup truck doesn't mean they don't have the money for all the diagnostics either. So like you're saying, Maria, offer the best and then go from there. So Maria, what would be your next
0: piece of advice? Learning to own up to your own mistakes. We don't make mistakes. What are you talking about?
2: Right. We all make mistakes. I've made mistakes, you know, and I, I own up to them but definitely owning up to them because a lot of the times if you own up to it, the clients are usually understanding. I'm not going to say always, but if you try to cover it up, they're going to be pissed. Yeah. Um, and it's going to show that you cover them up and especially if they pursue anything, I'll come out there. My first year out of school, I overdosed an animal and I didn't realize it until the animal ended up in the ER and I admitted fault to it. And I called the owner and apologized. And it was total, I was overwhelmed, things thrown on top of me basically. And I just moved the decimal place to the wrong spot. I've done the same thing. Yep. so you have to own up to your mistakes.
0: And it might be scary. Well, it will be it is
2: scary. <laughs>
0: And there may be a conversation that you have to have then with your insurance company or your malpractice provider, but that's okay. That's a part of this life. That's a part of this thing that we do. And it's going to be much better to just have that conversation in the open versus, like you said, Maria, trying to backpedal, trying to hide it, trying to make an excuse of some kind and trying to lay blame somewhere else. That never gets you anywhere. That only makes it worse. And if you just come clean at the step one and just say, this is what happened. You can move on with making it right or doing whatever needs to be done that much faster. And it'll be off your conscience. You won't be carrying that with you for nearly
1: as long. If you don't feel comfortable going to your boss, um, find a mentor, find somebody that you can at least initially open up to and talk to about it and say, how do I proceed from here? Because sometimes having somebody that's been through it, so you know, you're not alone, you know, they're going to help you riddle through the next steps. Sometimes having somebody help you with that burden is really, it's a game changer. And then you're not stuck packing around that chain for years.
0: What do you guys think? And I just kind of thought about this. We talked once about interview questions and that kind of thing. If you're going into a job interview, and I think it's really common for the person who's getting interviewed to be asked the question, tell me about a mistake you've made or or something to that nature. What would you guys do if you were hiring somebody and they asked you to tell them about a mistake that you had made and how you handled it. Do you think that that could be something that would be beneficial to ask your future employer? And if they, one, try to tell you that they never made a mistake or seemed like they had a really harsh or some way, I don't know if they just, the way that they described that they handled it. Maybe that would be an indicator of what kind of practice you might be stepping into. And if that's something that you feel is a good environment for you.
2: I never even thought about that. That's a
1: great idea. I think it's good. Yeah.
0: To all you future employers out there, sorry if all of a sudden you're getting
1: Good job. Be prepared. I'd be like, you get bonus points for listening to me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, And what would be
1: your next uh, piece of advice for things you did not learn in vet school? So I didn't learn this in vet school. It was given to me by an intern that I shadowed my fourth year. Forget your stethoscope. Or excuse yourself to do a quick cytology. And granted, my technicians now, I mean, I will do this to this day. I'm always going for blood tubes. Our tech staff stock those rooms like nobody's business. Like I've gone into rooms before and pulled the stethoscope out just so I can go back in later and get, like, go find one if I have to. But long the short, it's a great excuse for you to go in, to talk to the owner, maybe ask a few more history questions or get a little more info and then be like, oh, gosh, darn it. Silly me. I forgot my stethoscope. You can pop out, find your stethoscope, which is probably on your desk where you left it, but <laughs> also gives you a chance to quick reference anything that you may have or anything you may need. With my recent derm vet encouragement, I have started using my cytologies for the same thing. Sitting in front of a microscope is like I do some of my best thinking there. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I just turn the microscope on and there's no slide, but nobody's talking to you because you're looking in the microscope.
2: You know, it's a good thing to leave out of the room, Um, get the plug-in ophthalmoscope and otoscope. So I don't bring that into the room and then I have to go get it in case I have a question or I need to look something up or something like that. If you're back there for too long, you say, oh, I'm sorry. The tech grabbed me. There was an emergency on the phone. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that is such a good tip. And because it is so true, because you sometimes you just have to find that little corner, that little escape, something that you can ground yourself, even if it's, let's just say it's not a, a case that you're challenged on. Let's say it's a stressful situation. It's a heated client. It's something that you feel like you need to just take a moment and pause you can do that as well. You know, you can just kind of take those 10 seconds
1: to breathe deep and collect yourself. I've even done it on farm calls. Like when I was out and about and I would be like, Oh, I forgot this. Like I got to go run to the truck and get it. You know, like you go to the truck. Crap. I probably already put it in the bucket. It's probably already there. And if it is, I just come back and be like, silly me. Here it is. Who knew? Oh, yeah. I've, I've left
0: things in the truck many a times. And normally that's when I would call my husband, who's the large <laughs> <laughs> Help me. <laughs> so my next one, it's going to sound a little basic at first, but then I'm going to dig a little deeper. So for me, what I wished I would have learned in vet school is that I will never like ortho. Never. And there's no reason to pretend that I will or that I will learn to love it or I will grow to love it. I won't. I don't. I don't like ortho. I don't like fractures. I don't like cruciates. I don't like them. I like wounds. I like soft tissue stuff. I like that. And I wished I would have come to terms with that so much sooner in my career. And for me, it's ortho. For somebody else, it might be, I don't know what. You probably can't just refuse to see all certain types of cases. I mean, if you don't like derm, you're going to have a hard time in general practice. I mean, there's going to be certain things that you do have to deal with, but if there are some niche things that are not your expertise, that you're not doing anybody any favors by trying to pretend that you're an expert at them. And if you do have the resources to either refer it or there's somebody else in your practice that really likes it and is good at it, let them do it. If you can delegate and you can recognize that there are things that are just not your strong suit, that's fine. And so it's just kind of learning what your likes are, what your strengths are, finding where those things intersect and overlap. And if there are things that you can delegate out to somebody else, then do it. Don't waste your energy trying to force yourself into something that you were never going to like and never going to enjoy.
2: Yeah. Amen. I hate op though. Yeah like hate it eye cases if there's nobody there and it's not a a superficial corneal ulcer off to the ophthalmologist it's not me
0: i'm that way with dentals too i would be thrilled to never do a dental again in my entire career (laughs) now that's not one i really have the luxury of just saying that i'm not gonna ever do it again but said you have to within reason you have to kind of pick and choose but if you can pick and choose do it pick and choose (laughs) i refuse parvo i will never do parvo ever again oh i'm in on that one
2: i like that that one
0: too which maybe that could be my third hack is always get money up front on parvo oh that's a really good that's a good one No exceptions. Never let a Parvo case walk out the door before they've paid. Never let them leave the building without a deposit either. If they're not going to leave a deposit, the animal leaves as well. They do not stay. And yes, they're going to tell you things like, you're going to let my dog
1: die. Yeah. No, you did when you didn't vaccinate.
0: Yeah. Playing into the mind games. It seems like, Maria, you were kind of talking about... Emotional blackmail.
1: Yeah. So much for keeping this light...
2: Excuse us for a moment, listeners, as we go down a little bit dark path. I think they should teach us about dealing with clients and their emotional blackmail. For sure. I'm just tired of dealing, like not tired of dealing with it, but like it took a long time to really learn how to appropriately handle them. But yes, I'm not making your dog die. You are for not appropriately getting the correct preventative care. And I think
0: recognizing it when it's happening is a key. It does come with training and it does come with time and it comes with experience, but even myself and I've known others who have been doing this for a really long time. And sometimes you do have a hard time recognizing when it is them manipulating you and not internalizing that. For me, what this is what my current sort of, not struggle, but something that I am working on. And it keeps going back to what Ann said too about you know having good manners. And that is something when it is a challenge and it is a struggle is when you recognize, all right, this is on them. This is their emotional, you know what, that they're dealing with. They're projecting it on me. This does not reflect the doctor that I am. This doesn't reflect the quality of medicine that I am providing. And then not getting super angry about it which is a challenge. And I do have to be able to step out of the exam room if I need to. I need to have that moment where I have to say, you know what? Okay, they're dealing with something. They're trying to project it on me. I don't accept that.
1: and I think, you know, like you're saying, Melissa, I know I've learned to go back and definitely step out time out and then go back in and say, wow, you know, this must be really scary for you. I can see how much you love your pet because really nine times out of 10, they're reacting because they're scared. They don't know what to do. They love their pets so much and now they might lose them. And so just acknowledging their feelings sometimes can start to dissolve that and just seeing them and where they're at emotionally, even just trying, you know, sometimes I'm like, people be like, no, it's not the dog at all. It's, you know, my husband's sick, but then at least you get them talking about it for me I'm like I can't help you with your husband but I can help with fluffy here are the things that I can do. And just saying it like that, here's what I can do for you. It gives a boundary, but you're also helpful. And that's, I think
0: a critical thing is learning how to set those boundaries. And it's a skill, it's an art, it doesn't come on day one. And that's where your mentors are gonna come into play. And I do wish we had more training in that. But we don't have to learn it when we're at our most stressed, our most vulnerable, our most heightened imposter syndrome, all of those things. It was a little disheartening for me as I came to learn that that was going to happen. And so I guess if I had a take home about this particular tip is that it will happen and we need to learn the skills now on how to recognize it and deal with it and set those boundaries and separate it from ourselves. And do you have one more tip for us?
1: I do. So this one, it's something that I've actually picked up lately, which maybe I wish I would have done it a little sooner, is to round about your day to come, you know, show up 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes early for your day and see if your team will show up with you. Maybe not the whole clinic, but like your direct technician or whatever, and round through your appointments for the day. You know, maybe those appointments will change and Fluffy will be vomiting for five days, but then come in she has a rash on her toe. Don't get stuck or hung up on your plan, but sometimes it's really helpful, especially when you're starting out, to walk in and be like, oh, hey, if this dog really does have vomiting for four or five days and I only have $100, <laughs> I'd like x rays first or I'd like blood work first or I really like both. You know, so it can kind of help you get an idea of what's coming at you before you walk in the room. Granted, it may all change. You may walk in the door and all the wheels come off and everything's completely different, but for at least most of your Appointments. You'll kind of have an idea. And then your team knows too. If you're lucky enough to work in a place where your technicians go in first, if my techs know that I haven't had blood work in over a year and this might be a blood work thing, they'll often ask or throw it out there like, hey, Dr. Mueller might want some blood work. And I'd say 50% of the clients are like, hey, why don't you go ahead and get it now and get it started? That way, when she comes in, she's got more information. So that's kind of a helpful thing.
2: That is great. Like my techs go in first and like they go in, they'll get the approval on what I typically recommend. They come back and say, hey, I got this approved do you want to do it? Yes or no. I think that's great to go through your cases. Only thing that people can't be focused on is a diagnosis. And what I mean that if you have a vomiting dog come in, don't be so focused on that it might be a foreign body because it can be a lot of other things. Um, And you don't want to miss that diagnosis because you're so focused on something else.
0: Yeah. You know, and I'll even be kind of upfront with some of my personal challenges for the day. We're kind of rounding as a team and as a group, just letting you guys know I'm feeling pretty stressed today. I'm dealing with this, that, or the other. And, and not that it's an excuse to treat anybody poorly, by by no means is it that, but hey, if we can do what we can to kind of keep some gaps in our day today, because I probably can't handle back to back to back stuff, if we can spread it out as much as possible, you know, be upfront and be honest about those things and don't just groan about it and be resentful. If nobody knows that you're dealing with something or you're struggling with something, you know, take that time and to say, look, this is what I'm dealing with today. And I just need you guys to know that. Um, Not that you need to divulge personal information unnecessarily, but if it is affecting your ability to practice, or it is going to affect your ability to thrive in certain scenarios, let them know, let them help you, let them take on some of it if they can, and you'll do the same for them. If you set that precedent then when your other associate or your team member or somebody else is having that cruddy day they'll feel that it's safe to share and that you can then return the favor and be like you know what i got you i know what you're going through i've been there too and we do it nicely with manners isn't thank you please can we not schedule the parvo and the cruciate and the eye stuff today thank you Well, I think these have been, for me, honestly, every single one of these that we have shared are all things that I have definitely done, used, take to heart. We'll do a quick little summary and these are not going to necessarily be in the same order. So Maria shared a few things and what Maria shared with us is be quiet in the back because they will hear you. Admit your mistakes. So much easier to do it, rip that bandaid off, get it over with and move on. And if you haven't learned it in school, take some time to learn how to recognize manipulation and emotional blackmail. It sounds dark and harsh, but it is a reality that we face. And the sooner that we can learn it and recognize it and put some boundaries between that and ourselves, we'll be so much healthier for it. And good manners. Introduce yourself, please and thank you. We laugh, but it is very true. And we don't mean to make light of it because it is so true in everything that we do and lose something. So you don't lose your mind, lose an object or go do a cytology or find your little corner, your little quiet place where you have stashed your secret blood tubes, stethoscope, ophthalmoscope, do whatever you need to give yourself that quick escape out of the exam room to do whatever you need to do to get yourself back in order and ready to go back in. And the third thing that Anne shared was, take the time to round with your team, whether it's the beginning of the day, the night before, you know, whenever you can, make sure you're all on the same page. Make sure you're all looking at the cases ahead of time, knowing what's coming in the door so you can get a better grip on your schedule for the day. You can share any challenges that you might be having personally with one another so you can help each other out and try to make that day run as smoothly as reasonably
1: possible.
0: All plans are meant to be broken, but at least we can have a plan to start the day. My words of wisdom learn how to work a case up with very few dollars, uh, whatever that amount is, wherever you practice at, find out what the minimum is somebody will be walking in the door with, learn which tests you can run for that amount and go from there. Always, always, always offer the best and the recommended every time, but just have that plan B, C, and D in the back of your head because you will have to lean into those repeatedly. Uh, Don't be afraid to use response to treatment as a diagnostic test. Don't tell my vet school clinician that I just said that. I think y'all already know. They've seen my referral cases. They know. (laughs) Uh, Secondly, if you don't like something, for me, it's ortho. Don't try to fight it and pretend that you will. Accept it. If you can delegate it, do it and move on. Find something you do love and excel and be awesome at that. Oh, you know, I didn't share my third one. Uh, My third one, other than to get the money for Parvo up front, I guess that's a bonus one. My third one is when it's your day off and you should always get a day off somewhere you need. to get that for yourself when it's your day off shut off your phone cut your ties i don't care where you practice the place will survive without you for a day there will be other people who can be called who are not on their day off who are there that can handle it for you i promise i promise you the clinic will move on without you for a day give yourself that time off don't worry about if that client is called three times looking for you Again, that's on them, not on you. You need to take care of you. You need to shut that phone off. You need to throw it in the trunk of the car. You need to do whatever you can. Don't get on social media. Don't get on the clinic Instagram page. Don't do any of those things. Take a break, take a breather, and just be somebody separate from the stethoscope. You know, the risk of being cheesy with our little tagline there, but really is true. You need to have that break. You need to disconnect from it. Even if it's just for a few hours, you have to do that. I feel like we could have talked about this forever and I feel like there may be a volume two <laughs> coming out
2: sometime
0: because as we were talking I'm like oh yeah and this oh yeah and this I wrote
2: down a couple more <laughs> I'm like wait a minute
0: we will definitely do this again sometime and if you are a listener and you are a new grad or you're a student and you have something that you are like, really curious about you're dying to know hit us up on Instagram or wherever if you are a seasoned practitioner and you have some to of wisdom that you would love to share, share those also. We would love to hear everybody's experiences because we know that everybody's practice life does look a little bit different and everything is valuable. All the information is valuable. Why don't we move on to our wins, fails, and hacks and Maria, we can
2: start with your traumatic fail. This is so ridiculous. So, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. So, a lot of people say this is good luck. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, my luck has not changed since this has happened. So, I'm going to say it is not good luck. So, during this whole COVID thing, you know, I'm terrified to go to the grocery store and all this stuff. So, I go to the grocery store by myself. My kids are at home. So, I get to the grocery store. I literally open my door, shut my door, you know, put my gloves on, get my little Lysol wipes out, and I felt like somebody threw something at me. I was like, what was that? Who threw something at me? And I turn around and there's nobody there. And I look down at my arm and then I touched my neck and I realized a bird pooped on me. I call Steve and I'm like, a bird pooped on my head. What? I go, a bird just pooped on my head. He goes, you just left. I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's good luck. I'm like, okay.
0: That is it?
2: That's totally a lie. Yeah, it's just to make you feel better. Because I'm going to tell you right now, this past week, I have not had good luck. And it has not changed. And this was like four days ago. So no, it's not good luck. Um, So I drove all the way home, which is like two minutes down. There, and he had to wipe my neck down. I changed my shirt. And I didn't shower anything. I know that seems kind of gross, but I'm going to the back to the grocery store. So it's like, I have to re-shower anyway. So does
0: anybody else feel like Maria is probably the most prepared for the COVID pandemic of any of us? Have we already determined a theme going into all of this that she was the one that saw the apocalypse coming and was the most prepared?
2: What are you talking about? I just walk around the hospital with a bottle of Lysol normally during the winter. So this is normal for me. So, yes. So my fail was I got pooped on by a bird (laughs) on my head. It is so much different when it's like that. And it's not like
0: at work where you accept it that that is a hazard of the job is that bodily fluids of all sorts of animals are going to end up on you. But when you're just minding your own business and you're trying to like, you know, shut the phone off and be away from it, you still can't
1: get
2: away from it. You still get crapped on. You still get crapped on. Yes, literally. Literally, I got crapped on. My response was the world is crapping on me. Oh, well, I'm sorry you got crapped on. Sorry, My Lysol wife took care of it on my neck.
1: I mean, I take crap over flu, Corona, anything.
2: That's true. It could have been worse. I could have went to the grocery store and came back with Corona. Although it's still within the two weeks. So we'll (laughs) say.
1: I doubt when you walk in in a hazmat suit, you're going to have
0: Corona. Well, maybe that brings us to Anne to your win. Maybe you could help Maria out because your win has a little bit of relevance to that.
1: Yeah. So we are a little bit behind in Idaho as far as like outbreaks and things like that. But one of the things we were talking, my husband and I were talking about a few weeks ago, he's like, well, like when they let us out of this quarantine thing, we might not to all wear masks. Like, did you save any from the clinic? No, I didn't. He's like, well, your mom made some, like made some out of fabric and sent them to you. What'd you do with those? I took them to the clinic. I didn't keep any of them. So yeah, I was like, crap, I didn't keep any of those. And Kirk just looks at me and he's like, so what are you going to do? And I was like, I'll make some. <laughs> so we made cute little masks for the girls. And then I made one for Kirk and I. I need to go figure out how to put the, I, we've got some like 16 gauge fencing wire, I think, that I'm just going to go take and put and make a little nose band on. The girls' is all fit really well. And they Kirk was like, yeah, I can't really see. <laughs> I was like, oh, we can fix that.
0: So good call on the the wiring above. Yeah, that's a really good noseband there. Pretty easy
1: to do. You can make a filter pocket and stuff like that. I didn't, we just did like double layer cloth. I was like, yeah, I think that'll be okay. So I was Googling and a lot of them were like, you could take a HEPA filter for your house or like a HEPA vacuum bag and cut it up and use that as a filter because that would even decrease your particle size.
0: Don't use a um, maxi pad. I heard some people were using feminine hygiene products as filters
1: it's like not breathable on one side. It's not
0: science. People, don't do that. Don't do that. No. So that is not my hack. My hack is um, it's kind of a combination of a win and a fail together. My hack is how to keep your children alive during the hashtag pandemic. My hack is go to work and leave your children at home, and that way you're not the one responsible for killing your children. They may kill themselves. They may murder one another. But I think in the current times, that's going to be overlooked by many juries and it'll be fine. But So my hack is my kids are alive and I think the only reason they are alive is because I, I do have to put the disclaimer. My kids are older. I have a high schooler, a middle schooler, and one who's old enough to be supervised by the high schooler and the middle schooler. I was off all day one day last week and I thought, okay, zit. I'm going to be home. I'm going to help them. I'm going to help them navigate this distance learning and everything we're doing. And they looked at me like I was insane and basically told me to leave because I was cramping their style. So, okay. So I'll go edit a podcast or something then. Thanks guys. Fun hanging out with you. That's awesome. But I think my hack though really is, it kind of goes back to frame of mind and mindset and we just have to ease up on ourselves a little bit. And, you know, there's so many different expectations out there everywhere. And I go through this daily where I feel like I should be home. I should be productive. I should be with them. I should be guiding them. I should be doing all of these things. But then honestly, I don't know if that's super helpful either. So, sure our family. And you have to do what's right for your family and what gets you through this period. And for some that is staying home together all the time and doing all kinds of great family activities. And for others, that's not it. That is not helpful and that is not healthy. And so we're all just figuring it out. And that is my hack to just give yourself some grace. If you are not super motivated and you are not getting all the things checked off of your list of awesome projects that you thought you would get done, that's fine. If you're going to work every day and you are getting paid, that's fine too. Wherever we're at is where we're at. And that's my hack is just be okay with it. Um, Maybe that's not the right term, but just cut yourself some slack. I think that's a
2: good one. We all need to hear it. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the DVM Divas podcast. Want to know more about us? Then visit our website at dvmdivas.com or find us on all of our social media accounts facebook instagram twitter youtube pinterest and even linkedin just look for at dvm divas we can also be reached by email at admin at dvmdivas.com. don't want to miss an episode be sure to
0: subscribe and while you're at it rate review and share your online love
1: really does help and tune in next week as we once again go beyond the stethoscope